Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. Or if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll see a drop-down menu that includes read ACIMOE. Also on that website, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily lesson for the day as well as the text that we read here every morning sent to you via email from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of the final chapter in the text of this great work, chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation. Today we'll be reading section 6, Recognizing the Spirit. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 332, the second lesson in the series under the topic, What is the Ego? This lesson is, Fear Binds the World, Forgiveness Sets It Free. And once again, uh, by way of opening this morning, I turn to Helen, because her poetry is so... um, so marvelous in sharing her direct experience as well as uh, the spirit of the Course in Miracles. This poem for today is called The Quiet Dream and it speaks so explicitly of how fear binds the world and forgiveness sets it free. The Quiet Dream Help me forgive the world, my Lord. For then the quiet comes, in which the dream is done. The wanderer comes home, the lame arise, the sightless see. For fear cannot approach the holy sinless world, forgiveness sees. But its soft light awakens sight in me, and seeing, let the dream of fear be gone. I have no choice but to forgive the world. The dream that peace can come another way is sick illusion. Christ accepts a dream his father shines upon. Behold this dream, it is his gift to me. Look on a world so gentle and so still no leaf can fall and not one blade of grass can be destroyed. There is a light that shines upon this world and judges it as Christ would have it judged. There is no condemnation on it. He beholds it sinless in the light that shines from his own face. His vision looks upon the sure reflection of his father's love, the picture calling up his memory. What can remain of evil in the world, Christ's vision looks upon, and what could still appear to me as fearful with the light of his perfection on it? What could teach me sorrow has a cause, or death is real? Help me, forgive the world. The peace you give in my forgiveness will be given me. Fear binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. Amen. Oh, thank you for that. 
I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. for the day. Mm-hmm. So grateful. The book is called The Gifts of God and uh, Foundation for Inner Peace publishes it. But um, a persistent search on Google will um, get most of it to you via PDF for free. Oh. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran, Jennifer, Lemoyne, Robin Marie, and Judy. We're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Karen. Has anyone else joined us would like to be on the reading list or just say good morning? Good morning. Patricia here, listening. Thank you. Good. Good morning, Patricia. Glad to see you here this morning. <clears throat> Let's see if I have all. I do. Okay, so here we go. In chapter 31, the final final chapter in this great work, Simplicity of Salvation. In section 6, Recognizing Spirit, starting today at paragraph 62. You see the flesh or recognize the spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false, for what is real denies its opposite. There is no choice in vision but this one. What you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold is true. On this one choice does all your world depend. For here you have established what you are as flesh or spirit in your own belief. If you choose flesh, you never will escape the body as your own reality, for you have chosen that you want it so. But choose the spirit, and all heaven bends to touch your eyes and bless your holy sight, that you may see the world of flesh no no more except to heal and comfort and bless. Now, Fran. Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation. Section 6, Recognizing the Spirit. Paragraph 62. You see the flesh or recognize the spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false. For what is real denies its opposite. There is no choice in vision but this one. What you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold as true. On this one choice does all your world depend. For here have you established what you are as flesh or spirit in your own belief. If you choose flesh, You never will escape the body as your own reality. For you have chosen that you want it so. But choose the spirit, and all heaven bends to touch your eyes and bless your holy sight, that you may see the world of flesh no more except to heal and comfort and to bless. 63. Salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation. Unrelated things and happenings that make no sense at all. This one appears and disappears in death. 
that one is doomed to suffering and loss. And no one is exactly as he was an instant previous, nor will he be the same as he is now an instant hence. Who could have have trust where so much change is seen? For who is worthy if he be but dust? Salvation is undoing of all this. And constancy arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has released from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they chose to let it go instead. Thank you, Fran. Um, And Jennifer. Salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation, unrelated things, and happenings that make no sense at all. This one appears and disappears in death. That one is doomed to suffering and loss. And no one is exactly as he was an instant previous, nor will he be the same as he is now an instant hence. Who could have trust where so much change is seen? Change. <laughs> Who could have trust where so much change is seen? For who is worthy if he be but dust? Salvation is undoing of all this. And constancy arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has released from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they chose to let it go instead. 64. Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. For you can see the body without help, but do not understand how to behold a world apart from it. It is your world salvation will undo and let you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned how this could ever be. You do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight. For if you did, it would be gone. The veil of ignorance is drawn across the evil and the good and must be passed that both may may disappear so that perception finds no hiding place. How is this done? It is not done at all. What could there be within the universe which God created that must still be done. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, and Lloyd. <laughs> Sorry.
Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. For you can see the body without help, but do not understand how to behold the world apart from it. It is your world salvation will undo and let you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned how this could ever be. You do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight. For if you did, it would be gone. The veil of ignorance is drawn across the evil and the good and must be passed that both may disappear so that perception finds no hiding place. How is this done? It is not done at all. What could there be within the universe which God created that must still be done? Only in arrogance could you conceive that you must make the way to heaven plain. The means are given you by which to see the world that will, will replace the one you made. Read that again. The means are given you by which to see the world that will replace the one you made. Your will be done. In heaven as on earth, this is forever true. It matters not where you believe you are, nor what you think the truth about yourself must really be. It makes no difference what you look upon, nor what you choose to feel or think or wish. For God himself has said, your will be done. And it is done to you accordingly. Thank you, Lemoyne. Um, and Robin Bree. Sixty-five. <clears throat> Only in arrogance could you conceive that you must make the way to heaven plain. The means are given you by which to see the world that will replace the one you made. Your will be done. In heaven as on earth, this is forever true. It matters not where you believe you are, nor what you think the truth about yourself must really be. It makes no difference what you look upon, nor what you choose to feel or think, or wish. For God himself has said, your will be done, and it is done to you accordingly. 66. You who believe that you can choose to see the Son of God as you would have him be, forget not that no concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. Undoing truth would be impossible, but concepts are not difficult to change. One vision, clearly seen, that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before, 
will change the world for eyes that learn to see because the concept of the self has changed. Are you invulnerable? Then the world is harmless in your sight. Do you forgive? Then is the world forgiving. For you have forgiven it its trespasses. And so it looks on you with eyes that see as yours. Are you a body? So is all the world perceives as treacherous and out to kill. Thank you, Robert Marie um, and Judy. Yes, thank you. You who believe that you can choose to see the Son of God as you would have it be, forget not that no concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. Undoing truth would be impossible, but concepts are not difficult to change. One vision, one vision, clearly seen that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before will change the world for eyes that learn to see because the concept of the self has changed. Are you invulnerable? then the world is harmless in your sight. Do you forgive? Then is the world forgiving, for you have forgiven it its trespasses. And so it looks on you with eyes that see as yours. Are you a body? So is all the world perceived as treacherous and out to kill. Are you a spirit, deathless, and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon you? So the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be feared, only loved. Who is unwelcome? to the kind in heart, and what could hurt the truly innocent. Your will be done, you holy child of God. It does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven. What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light, as innocent as capital love, capital itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And uh, would there be anyone who hasn't read that would like to finish today with paragraph 67? Uh, volunteer for 67. Alrighty, back to you, Fran. Are you a spirit, deathless and without the promise of corruption 
and the stain of sin upon you, so the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be feared but only loved. Who is unwelcome to the kind in heart? And what could hurt the truly innocent? Your will be done, you holy child of God. It does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven. What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light, as innocent as love itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Amen. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, everyone who read this. And um, we have a good 20 minutes left. And I think, um, I'm pretty sure you guys would concur with reading this once again. Yeah? Sounds good to me. Sure, Lord. All righty. The only question is, should we stair-step it? Or should we do it paragraph by paragraph? Lori, excuse me. Yes, ma'am. May I may I beg you to start with paragraph 57 from yesterday because the reading is so short today. We could we could start there if you will. Thank you. Oh, that's marvelous. That's an excellent idea. Okay, that settles it. Then let's just do it one paragraph at a time reversing um, the order of the readers. Starting at 57, does everybody have access to that? Yes. Okay. Sometimes it takes a minute to get a Kindle e-reader back to that page. But let's do that then. And so, Fran, let's, let's see. We'll reverse the order. So, Judy, you would be the one to read uh, paragraph 57 then. And we'll go on from there in the order of Judy, Robin Marie, Lemoyne, Jennifer, and Fran. And I'll put myself after Fran because I'd like to read some of this too. Okay, so Judy, Robin Marie, Lemoyne, Jennifer, Fran, and myself. And after that order, I'll see if there's a volunteer. Okay, take it away, Jude. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Lori. Seek not yourself, capital self, in symbols. There can be no concept that can stand for what you are. What matters it which concept you accept? While you perceive a self that interacts with evil, and reacts to wicked things. Your concept of yourself will still remain quite meaningless, and you will not perceive that you can interact but with yourself. To see a guilty world is but the sign your learning has been guided by the world, and you behold it as you see yourself. The concept of the self embraces all you look upon, and nothing is outside of this perception. If you can be hurt by anything, you see a picture of your secret wishes, nothing more than this. 
And in your suffering of any kind, you see your own concealed desire to kill. Thank you, Judy. 58. You will make many concepts of the self as learning goes along. Each one will show the changes in your own relationships as your perception of yourself is changed. There will be some confusion every time there is a shift. But be you thankful that the learning of the world is loosening its grasp upon your mind. And be you sure and happy in the confidence that it will go at last and leave your mind at peace. The role of the accuser will appear in many places and in many forms, and each will seem to be accusing you. Yet have no fear. It w- but have no fear, it will not be undone. The world no oh, excuse me. The world can teach no images of you unless you want to learn them. <laughs> there will come a time when images have all gone by and you will see you know not what you are. It is to this unsealed and open mind that truth returns unhindered and unbound. Where concepts of the self have been laid by is truth revealed exactly as it is. When every concept has been raised to doubt and question and been recognized as made on no assumptions which would stand the light, then is the truth left free to enter in its sanctuary, clean and free of guilt. There is no statement that the world is more afraid to hear than this. I do not know the thing I am and therefore do not know what I'm doing, where I am, or how to look upon the world or on myself. Yet in this learning is salvation born, and what you are will tell you of itself. In section 6, recognizing the spirit. You see, the flesh will recognize the spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false. For what is real denies its opposite. There is no choice in vision but this one. What you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold is true. On this one choice does all your world depend. For here have you established what you are, as flesh or spirit, in your own belief. If you choose flesh, you never will escape the body as your own reality, for you have chosen that you want it so. But choose the spirit, and all heaven bends to touch your eyes and bless your holy sight, that you may see the world of flesh no more, except to heal and comfort and bless.
Is there a new reader to pick up here at 63? Okay, Judy. Thank you. Salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation, unrelated things and happenings that make no sense at all. This one appears and disappears in death. That one is doomed to suffering and loss. And no one is exactly as he was an instant previous. Nor will he be the same as he is now an instant hence. Who could have trust where so much change is seen? For who is worthy if he be but dust? Salvation is undoing of all of this, and constancy, constancy arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has released from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they choose to let it go instead. Amen. 64. Salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. For you can see the body without help, but do not understand how to behold a world apart from it. It is your world salvation will undo, unless you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned how this could ever be, You do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight, for if you did, it would be gone. The veil of ignorance is drawn across the evil and the good and must be passed that both may disappear so that perception finds no hiding place. How is this done? It is not done at all. What What could there be within the universe which God created, that must still be done. Only in arrogance could you conceive that you must make the way to heaven plain. The means are given you by which to see the world that will replace the one you made. Your will be done. In heaven, as on earth, this is forever true. It matters not where you believe you are, nor what you think the truth about yourself must really be. It makes no difference what you look upon, nor what you choose to feel, or think, or wish. For God himself has said, Your will be done and it is done to you accordingly. You who believe that you can choose to see the Son of God as you would have him be, forget not that no concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. Undoing truth would be impossible. But concepts are not difficult to change. 
one vision clearly seen that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before will change the world for eyes that learn to see because the concept of the self has changed. Are you invulnerable? Then the world is harmless in your sight. Do you forgive? Then is the world forgiving? For you have forgiven it, its trespasses, and and so it looks on you with eyes that see as yours. Are you a body? So is all the world perceived as treacherous and out to kill. Are you a spirit? deathless and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon you? So the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of your trust, a happy place to rest in for a while, where nothing need be fearful but only loved. Who is unwelcome to the kind in heart? And what could hurt the truly innocent? Your will be done, you holy child of God. It does not matter if you think you are in earth or heaven. What your Father wills for you can never change. The truth in you remains as radiant as a star, as pure as light, as innocent as love itself. And you are worthy that your will be done. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone who read, and thank you, Judy, for that suggestion that we go back and pick up from 57. That really pulled it together nicely. And so the floor is open for about five minutes um, for anyone who has something come up. Good morning. This is Jennifer, and I just want to make a comment about the reading Uh, Paragraph 64, the last sentence, very powerful. Um, What could there be within the universe which God created that must still be done? This is a a big, fat, open door. It says, it's saying I, I don't have to change anything. I just need to be. I need to stop thinking and just be. And and the last sentence in 67, and you are worthy that your will be done. Well, so I'm, you know, learning with all of you or remembering and being in class the last few months that um, my will is God's will. There's no other. And so is yours. So am I, the question is, because I see in myself that um, I have all this fear to stand up and be who I really am at times. Um, uh, most of all, when I'm alone. That sounds weird, but it's true. Um, and I'm I'm being asked by God to fulfill. Uh, his, my will, and I've I've been stubborn, you know, about 
uh, doing some writing. Uh, I haven't been open to it yet. And so um, I don't know where things are going. Um, I'm doing very well, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, Be brave enough to be who you are in each moment, moment, and the divine will will unfold for, for you and I. Thank you on that. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah. Thank you. I was always in love with that paragraph 64. If you do not understand how what you see arose to meet your sight, you don't. Un- we don't understand how this <coughs> image making, you know, ego, um, body, self, image making. Came, came about, and the Course tells us it doesn't matter. Recognize it doesn't matter, and I love this, that it speaks of it so clearly. It matters not where you believe you are nor what you think the truth about yourself must really be. It makes no difference what you look upon or what you choose to feel or think or wish, for God himself has said your will be done and it is done to you accordingly, that, you know, God wills me to be perfectly happy, perfectly at peace, perfectly joyful, limitlessly, without any conditions, in any situation or circumstance, and that it's only my own ignorance of myself in truth that denies me this privilege, this gift of God being, being me as God created me to be. And, you know, I love that um, the veil of ignorance is drawn across and must be passed, that both may disappear, so that perception finds no hiding place. And how is it done? It's already, it is, the awareness of my reality is always here, but I have to be aware of the awareness of my reality. It's totality to understand my totality, I have to understand it totally, that it's universally, my will is God's will is universally applicable all the time in every place, with every person, in every situation, in every circumstance. <laughs> There's no opposition in it. That's the peace of God. It's without opposition. And that's what love is. It has no opposite. So here's to standing in the house of truth, the way the Course of Love speaks of it, and um, stepping out of the house of illusion. I'm so ready to let go of pain and suffering. I'm, I'm on fire. <laughs> Burn down the house of illusion. Thank you. I'm complete. Love it. Thank you, Judy. Well, you took us just right to the top of the hour perfectly. So thank you both for those great um, segues um, where we can consider what is the ego. And our lesson today, fear binds the world, forgiveness sets it free. So Fran, thank you again for leading us. And for those of us here today, uh, please give some thought 
to uh, volunteering on Thursday when Fran will not have occasion to be with us. So I'm just asking in advance that someone think about that and see if you are called for that particular lesson 334 it will be. Okay, take it away, Fran. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a beautiful reading. Thanks for that. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. The theme that we're on is what is the ego? And today's lesson is lesson 332. Fear binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. So I shall read some from what is the ego and then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is the ego? The son of God is egoless. What can he know of madness and the death of God when he abides in him? What can he know of sorrow and of suffering when he lives in eternal joy? What can he know of fear and punishment, of sin and guilt, of hatred and attack when all there is surrounding him is everlasting peace, forever conflict-free, and undisturbed in deepest silence and tranquility. To know reality is not to see the ego in its thoughts, its works, its acts, its laws, and its beliefs, its dreams, its hopes, its plans for its salvation, and the costs belief in it entails. In suffering, the price for faith in it is so immense that crucifixion of the Son of God is offered daily at its darkened shrine and blood must flow before the altar where its sickly followers prepare to die. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 332. Fear binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. The ego makes illusions. Truth undoes its evil dreams by shining them away. Truth never makes attack. It merely is. And by its presence is the mind recalled from fantasies awaking to the real. Forgiveness bids this presence enter in and takes its rightful place within the mind. Without forgiveness is the mind in chains, believing in its own futility. Yet with forgiveness does the light shine through the dream of darkness, offering it hope and giving it the means to realize the freedom that is its inheritance. We would not bind the world again today. Fear holds a prisoner. And yet your love has given us the means to set it free. Father, we would release it now. For as we offer freedom, it is given us. And we would not remain as prisoners while you hold out our freedom unto us. Lesson 332. Fear binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. Five minutes.
Lesson 332, fear binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, friend. I love that from the ego you picked, or from what is the ego you picked, the Son of God uh, paragraph does not see the ego. Perfect selection. Thank you. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Thank you. I love the way in the first two paragraphs he tells us all these things that the ego is, how horrible the ego is. And then at that third paragraph he says, but don't worry about it, you don't have it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, me too. Thanks, friend. Good morning. It's Harrison. I'm so glad that the course keeps it simple. Doesn't overcomplicate things. For my simple mind. Um, in this lesson, it's fear of forgiveness. 
That's the range of choices that I have. The world is bound by my fear. Because the world is my thought. That's all it is. If my mind chooses fear, I will come on a fear-based world. If my mind chooses forgiveness, I will work out on a world of which everyone is free. <clears throat> no one is bound. And even though my mind my eyes are showing me death and destruction, war and attack. Even though my eyes are showing me that, I still have a choice. What my eyes are showing me is simply a dream. And I don't have to participate in the dream. I don't have to feel the effects of what seems to be happening in the dream. I'm not asked to deny that there's war going on in the Middle East. But I don't have to participate in the thought system that gave or gave rise to what my body's eyes and ears are telling me. I can still accept it's an illusion whose source is the ego thought system. In truth, there are no bodies. In truth, there is no death. In truth, there is only Love. And I can access that love 
that I gave away. Um, I accepted the idea that I'm separate from God. That acceptance has no effect whatsoever. The belief system that arose from that acceptance of the tiny man idea has no reality in truth. Fear binds the world. Fear is my making. It's my idea. It's not the truth. And the way I undo that idea, that belief, is by accepting forgiveness. And that simply is what I thought occurred did not occur. There was There has never been fear. And fear does not exist now. Because the only thing that exists now is what God created. And God creates only love. I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much, Harrison. Amen. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. You conveyed that perfectly. Thank you, Harrison. Oh, come ahead, Judy. Oh, thank you, Lori. I'm excited today. The um, realization, having real eyes, um, the world is bound by fear, and forgiveness sets it free. For- forgiveness is not of Judy, and I cannot see alone. And the text makes this very clear to me that I have a choice, two ways to see the world. One is through the eyes of perception, through the instrument of perception. The body is the instrument of perception. It's by herself alone. Judy is alone in her perception, in solitude and interpretation and distortion, in a mistaken sense of self-appraisal, that she's little and limited. And to expand my mind into the Christ consciousness, I identify with Christ in order to see through the eyes of Christ, to acknowledge the Christ mind is in me, 
that I can see with vision. I have to join with the Christ consciousness in order to use the means that God's love has given me to see the truth in things. I have to identify myself with the Spirit. And I, as I identify myself with it, I think of myself as I am in truth. And I see through those eyes, and I see everything in the truth as the truth sees it, as forgiveness sees it, as Christ sees itself, holiness sees itself. And it really is the choice, the one and only choiceless choice, to know myself, to be true to myself, to be one with myself. And it brings joy to my heart to say that I've learned these things and know these things. Um, that perception is deception, that we would perceive ourselves as something, an image or an object of something, that we are not an object. We are an object in the awareness of Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness knows duties within it and suffers from her limited sense of self, believing that she's a body. This is how I escape my pain and my suffering. Thank you. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Oh, thank you, Judy. I, I appreciated that share. This is Jennifer. Um, after, during and after Harrison's share, something came to me from inside, and it was from Chapter 30, The New Beginning. And it was um, rules for decision. Um, and I, I, love, I loved uh, being guided back to this during his share. And today I will make no decision by myself. So I had mentioned back there <clears throat> that I <clears throat> have most trouble when I am by myself. <laughs> but I was guided <laughs> to remember Today I'll make no decision by myself. If I make a if if I make no decision by myself, this is the day that will be given, and then I'll think of all the goodness because I have a lot of goodness to draw from, and I have I have no question of uh, I I forgot what to decide. If I get in trouble, <clears throat> at least I can decide I do not like what I feel now. This is really important. Um, that I be willing to be grounded in how I feel and with God ask these questions. And, and if I don't like how I feel, that I, I ask God to help me navigate back to the kind of day that I would like to have, which is just like we all want peace and to feel joy and sometimes if I'm in a racket in my head and my feelings are and my mind are all swirling around like a blender of hell uh, you know I've made somehow I've made a, a decision without God I'm in a racket <clears throat> and this is going to happen this is uh, I'm a human <laughs> so but at one point my experience has been of recent um, 
and being grounded, being willing to feel, and being willing to observe my mind. What am I thinking? What is it? And then as soon as I say, Lord, I give this to you, I obviously I'm not able to navigate. I'm in an ocean of tides and crashing, and, and I am in pain. And then all of a sudden, things get real quiet, the water calms, and, and the Lord tells me what to do. And then I resume back to the kind of day that um, he is telling me in this lesson today that I am worthy of having. With that, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, what a really joy. Thank that. you. Back to rules. <laughs> really good. Thanks. Thank you, Jennifer. Hi, this is Ida. Um, I love the fact that everybody on the call gets a chance to share what they have in their heart about the course or after the call about whatever they have in their heart. Um, I like the lesson today. Fear binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. And that lesson is already helping me to be in a state of forgiveness today. I'm not going to say it's helping me to forgive because to forgive sounds like a verb. It sounds like something that I do after I think somebody's done something bad towards me or not done something that made it bad towards me. That's not what forgiveness is. I'm learning. I'm learning that forgiveness is to be in a place where I see the God world I see the God with them and everybody, and I don't see them, you know, pardon the word, I don't see them sinning against me in any way in the first place. That's the kind of forgiveness that God has for us. He never sees us as being sinful. That idea of being sinful was a big mistake <laughs> by some folks when they brought that into the church, to say the least because it's not true. And I'm so glad it's not true. I'm so glad forgiveness sets the world free today. And thank you, my loving family. I love you. I'm complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Ida. And love you too. Thank you for yes. claiming kinship with us. Love you, you too. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. I love you. Good morning, Kenneth. Thank you, Ida. That was really beautiful. Very inspiring. Um, lately, I've just been working with this one concept that God loves me. 
that all I have to do is open to the love of God and trust it. And it really does shift me into a feeling of spirit, and it shifts me to recognizing spirit in myself, and it, re- it shifts me into um, withdrawing my belief and my faith in the world of the separation and the ego. Um, when I open to the love of God and I just open to it and I'm accepting it, I believe it, and I want to share it with the whole world. And I want it to extend through me. And that's all there is. It's all there is. I'm spirit. I receive. God is my source. Peace is my source. Love is my source. Then it should extend through me. So I'm going to just go back to the reading for a second. Um, paragraph 66. No concept of yourself will stand against the truth of what you are. Undoing truth would be impossible. Concepts are not difficult to change. One vision, clearly seen, will change the world. The concept of the self has changed, and I am invulnerable. The question is, do I forgive? Am I a spirit, deathless, and without the promise of corruption and the stain of sin upon me? If so, the world is seen as stable, fully worthy of my trust, a happy place to rest in for a while where nothing need be feared, but only loved. And um, to that, I would go back to the lesson. The choice is fear or forgiveness. When I fear, I buy into the evil dream. Um, If I feel I have to defend myself, I I buy into the evil dream. It becomes my reality. But if someone is attacking me, and I'm using this as an example because my poor darling younger sister is being attacked by my older sister, and... She reacted and to defend herself, and last night I was like, I don't want to defend you because I don't want to buy into the evil dream. I just want you to give it to God. Offer her attacks to the divine and let it, let it go in forgiveness. It didn't land really well because, it, you know, the, kind of like the bottom line is money, <laughs> crazy. It's so crazy. The ego world is so insane. So what I said didn't land exactly the way I wanted it to in the love that I wanted it to land. But I, but it made me meditate for a long time on what it was, what it really meant. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to react to this evil dream that's coming at me. I want to offer that to God and just know that whatever is going on with the person who's who's attacking us. She's just not in her right place right now. She's not in her right mind right now. You know, she's beautiful, divine child of God in truth. And I'm not going to even respond to her dream, her evil dream. Um, I'm just going to keep accepting God's love into this situation. Um, 
forgiven, forgiveness is like letting it go and offering illusions to the divine, not even going to explain or, you know, try to, try to make sense of it. Because it's insane. There's nothing to be made sense of. Anyway, I don't know if that was kind of abstract, but that's how I took in the lesson today. Thank you. I'm complete. Words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Karen. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Thank you, Karen. You too, Robin Marie. Thanks. Have fun, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Karen. I want to say... Hang on a second. I'm sorry. Thanks for waiting. That if my mom was still here, she passed eight days ago. She'd be proud of you, Karen. Like you were her daughter. And I'm proud of you too. I'm complete. Oh, sweet Ida. Thank you. Thank you. That was so sweet, Ida. Thank you, Ida. This, um, the last two sections in the text, and what is the ego in the in the workbook, um, really speak and describe strongly of um, the ego thought system. That it's idolatry. Its reality is an idolatry. The total reality of the ego being bodies in the world and how the world is propaganda for itself, substantiating a sensorial perception of deception. And I just love the way the the reading in the text speaks to this thinking that it doesn't, in today's reading, let me go back to the what is the ego, because it, it speaks of, to know our capital reality is not to see the ego, signs and symbols of, of us being in the body, its thoughts and what it thinks about itself, its works, what it does, what, how it acts, its laws, the worldly laws, and all the worldly beliefs, its worldly dreams, its hopes, and its plans for its salvation and the cost the belief in it entails, the constant judgment um, for belief in, in who and in what we think we are as bodies in the world, and um, in, in the suffering um, for, is the price for faith in it so immense that the crucifixion is offered daily. And, you know, I've been, I, I think about this stuff a lot because I'm in physical pain, and I truly trust and believe that God wills for me to be in heaven with him as he created me to be purely mind and purely spirit. But, you know, this this idea that it speaks of, we don't know how this image-making perception split happened, and, and we don't need to understand it, and how the text um, 
says that um, um, this choice for our decision of who who we are, our just believe in the image, the self concepts that we make, or um, looking at others is the same way as we think of ourselves, which is you know, ascribing the roles and the scripts and the special relationships and, you know, all the individual selves in relationship with themselves and, um, you know, the, the loss and the gain and the, and the guilt and the innocence, the two faces of innocence that we've read about. But um, in paragraph 56 where it says salvation can be seen as nothing more than the escape from concepts. Now, concepts are, are, are um, multiple ideas. Concepts are, are, are thought constructs that are made of, made of thoughts and ideas of what we think we are. So it doesn't, salvation doesn't concern itself with the content, all the content of the mind, but with the simple statement that it thinks. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of thinking in Jude's mind going on that's unnecessary, thinking about who she thinks she is and who she thinks other people are and the roles and the relationships and the scripts that the fearful, separate, ego-thinking mind constructs, thought constructs through concepts of self and, and, and concepts of, in the world and all the laws and beliefs that you know, that it speaks of um, in the what is the ego and the ego's idolatry, the ego's um, um, fiction, dream, um, and lack of awareness of the totality of who we are. But um, so this thinking, all this deep confusion that we feel about how it was made and what we are and the concept of the self appears to answer what it does not know. And seeking for answers in the thinking of the mind um, for what we are is beyond the mind, beyond the body-mind. And only in stillness and identification with something that I can't know, that is unknowable, that that magnitude and immensity and infinity that cannot be described, cannot be defined, is beyond concepts, is, is where I need to, to be still and ask, who am I? Who is this I am, this holy, sacred I am that is not the body? It's beyond the body. The body knows nothing of it. Um, so this is a very powerful section for me, and thank you for letting me go over these things again today. I am complete. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Judy.
Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, I've been asking Holy Spirit what he'd like me to talk about today, and I, I just uh, keep hearing uh, review lessons, review lessons. And so I went back, and sure enough, sure enough, right there in that very first review, review lesson 51, or I'm sorry, 57, Review lesson 58. And just um, just to remind us of what they are, we get to review lesson 57 by going for, through the first 30 lessons of giving everything I see, all the media it has for me. Um, 25 through 29 are really important because 25 through 29 are declarations declarations of I want to see above all else I want to see differently I could see peace instead of this I mean all five of those lessons that are grouped together in review lesson 56 are declarations of I want to see and to make a an honest declaration of I want to see um, I'm telling my own mind that I'm not seeing correctly. I'm agreeing with what he's telling me that you're just not seeing correctly because of the meanings you attach to things, because you see only the past, because you think you have a private world, um, and all those various reasons up to lesson 29. I'm going to just tap a line here. It's got static. Um, but review lesson 50, 57 introduces something different. Review lesson 57 introduces forgiveness and the consequent light that he's talking about. Forgiveness lifts the veil of ignorance. It doesn't say you did something bad. It doesn't say you are bad. It doesn't say anyone's bad. It says you didn't know. Forgiveness lifts the veil of ignorance. I didn't know. Going back to what he told us about himself, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge. As such, I didn't try to correct error from the top down, but rather from the bottom up. And by doing so, I remembered the soul of its knowledge. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error. Tomorrow, tomorrow's lesson is conflict must be resolved. It must be resolved. It can't be put away, tucked away, hidden. Uh, set somewhere else, given to someone else, it must be resolved where? In my own mind. And that's why Review Lesson 30, 57 covers Lessons 31 through 35. Basically say, the world will take on the light of my forgiveness. I'd encourage everybody to have a look at Review Lesson 57 and the consequence, consequences of the light of my forgiveness. Because that's what he's talking about this lesson today. 
once again, pure binds the world, forgiveness sets it free. Yeah, the great gift is of the atonement, when I accept it for myself, I'm accepting the fact that, I mean, it's a fact. The atonement is a fact, he says. I am accepting the fact that my father never condemned me. There's a lesson for that. My father condemns me, no more do I. Remember that one? My father never condemned me. To accept atonement for myself is to recognize I need no forgiveness. I need no forgiveness. I still am as God created me. And that's what this reading is is also reminding us of. We are spirit. Spirit am I. Safe, free, and whole. <laughs> Remember that one? Spirit am I, lesson 93, I think. Safe and free and whole. Free to forgive. Free to save the world. Is not condemning the body he is asking us that only spirit should be our choice now when I make a choice and here's what I'm asked to highlight today there's unwilling error that's something I didn't it was out of my awareness it was just simply out of my awareness I was ignorant of it that's unwilling error and then um, well, you know, you can't really make error, um, but you can think you can. And that's why there is no will but God's so very important. When I accept that there is no will but God's, I'm saying the ego as a false will was never real in my awareness. And that's when I get to lesson review lesson 58, which is all about holiness. When the world takes on the light of forgiveness, holiness returns to my awareness. And what we know about holiness is this, holiness must be shared, for therein lies everything that makes it holy. Is this a difficult thing to do? Only if I think I'm doing it by myself. <laughs> if I think I'm doing it by myself, uh, it will be impossible. And that's what paragraph 65 is saying. It must be arrogant to think you have to find the way to heaven. But the means are given. The means are given to see a world that will replace the one I made. You do not make the way to heaven. And then he goes on to say, it doesn't matter what you look on, what you think, what you feel, what you wish none of those efforts now what is ego but striving and efforting he's asking me not to effort anymore to accept the light to accept atonement for myself and when I do I will understand what he means in review lesson 58 it starts right out of the gate with my holiness envelops everything I see why? Because I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself. I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself. And that's why <clears throat> recognizing spirit is so important. 
if I can accept atonement for myself, I've accepted the fact that I'm still as I was created, the image and likeness of my Father. That is to say, in the same awareness, in the same truth, same love, in the same generosity, same kindness, and the same gentleness, and every other attribute you can think about God. Kindness created me kind. Love created me loving. Remember that lesson? Accepting atonement for myself is accepting the fact that I'm already forgiven because I was never condemned. But I can't, I have such a difficulty accepting that, you know? Um, it's, it's, when I try to put that on my mind like a Band-Aid, I don't feel clear. I, I, I don't get that experience. But when I allow my vision to be changed, when I allow truth to show me what's real about any brother, I discover there's something in me that I wasn't aware of. When I allow the truth to be revealed in any brother, what am I learning about myself? You see, now I'm having an experience. Somebody posted a, <clears throat> a meme on Facebook the other day. It was so perfect. It, it, this is what it's like, the experience. There's a picture of, um, of, of somebody climbing a mountain, and on their back they have a backpack like the size of a Volkswagen, you know, and, and it's so heavy. And this person is walking up this hill with this heavy, heavy, heavy bag. If I allow forgiveness to remove one rock from that backpack of my brother, what have I learned about myself? That there's something in me that loves. I can't give myself that, but I can be willing to look and wait and judge not and let the Holy Spirit show me the truth of that brother. And when I do, I discover there's something in me that I wasn't aware of. I have a new awareness, a new belief about myself, and I can let my mind be moved to that place where I really truly believe that my holiness envelops everything I see that my holiness doesn't bless me alone, blesses the world. That my holiness is my salvation, that there's nothing my holiness cannot do, and that I'm eternally blessed as a son of God. I need that experience, and that's what he's talking about. He says in paragraph 66, undoing truth would be impossible but concepts are not difficult to change I don't you know, I don't have a list in my pocket I don't have a list in my pocket of all the beliefs I hold all the concepts I have I, I don't have a list that I can make reference to life shows me this life shows me this um, it's brought to my awareness oh here's a concept that's hurting me I would like to release it that's forgiveness oh here's another one one vision clearly seen that does not fit the picture as it was perceived before will change the world for eyes that learn to see. 
That's why he says vision is our greatest need. And vision, as we'll read tomorrow, is merely letting atonement shine from my mind and heart. That's forgiveness. And that's light. That's the light that changes the world. Lesson 73 is I will there be light. And perhaps you, like me, had difficulty making light (laughs) or manifesting light. But light is the Holy Spirit's awareness. And in that light, I can see. In that light, my conflicts are resolved. In that light, I'm made aware of the things that so trouble me and color my awareness and blind me to the truth of this world and my brother. That blind me to the truth of love. That's why forgiveness, forgiveness is letting my errors be corrected by willingness. They're brought to my awareness. Oh, this is, I'm out of peace. There's something I need to let go of. There's a little tiny splinter in my subconscious niggling at my peace. Life shows it to me. And forgiveness sets me free. Yeah, I, I used to think, I used to think that um, that recognizing spirit was a once and done. But the gift of life, I believe, the gift of this life, and I do believe this life is a gift, and I do believe, just like he said, life is as holy as the holiness by which it was created. And I do believe that this life is eternal, and I do believe that each and every soul here is on a journey of enhancement and that we gift each other with our presence in ways that we don't understand, but in ways that enhance our souls by journeying together. Uh, That's a gift we give each other. But then you meet somebody. You meet somebody and, and, and something comes up. And something comes up. And ego would say, oh, you made a terrible mistake. You're not as far along the path as you think you were. For shame on you. Look at the trouble you're having now. But forgiveness, forgiveness shows me that, oh, there was a tiny splinter in my awareness that I would really like to be free of. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother, for that gift. I saw you one way for a moment. And in that scene, I realized there was something in me that wasn't seeing myself correctly. And now you remind me. And by taking a stone out of that great bag on your back, I discover that we are both made free by forgiveness and that we truly do love each other. Now, Jennifer, when you talked about uh, alone, there's an interesting search. It brings up 31 returns. If you type in co-creatingclarity.org, just the terms, two words, you alone, 31 returns come. And they are so rich um, because every one of them reminds me that I'm not alone, that you alone can't do anything, Lori. 
because you alone was the fiction that you bought into. I was really glad when you brought it back to rules for decision because you alone is the fiction, you know. Um, this is the way salvation works. As you step back, the light in you steps forward and envelops the world. That's what my father would like me to see. And that's how fear is released and how forgiveness sets me free. I'm complete. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Lori. I love that. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. I just want to say that I wasn't alone, and I was listening to the Christ within me. Um and um, the divine feminine in me. Um, And the more that I'm willing to calm the barking dog, so to speak, uh, within me and listen, listen to the divine feminine and and, um, the Christ within me, uh, there's another way. To look at this and be. Oh, that's exactly what I heard, Jennifer. I was really grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Any final shares this morning? Well, good morning, everyone. It's Mindy. Um, we went deep back to sleep between the workbook call and this one. And a very strange dream. I was just thinking about it, wondering what the significance was. And I was a person, on, um, person who was feeling a little shaky about life, but uh, doing my best. And then there was this villain who was trying to destroy me. And in the dream, I I could be the person who was uh, innocent and wanted to move forward, having a rough time. And I was also seeing through the eyes of the secret agent trying to destroy me and how he jumped on my boat and brought a piece of instrumentation, pretended to steer my boat and be the captain and to help me, but got a picture of my clock, got a picture of my clock. And as he was doing that, I was him taking the picture. And I was also the person saying, wow, you really know how to run the boat. And so he got the clock, and it, it was to destroy me somehow from a distance. What I got was that that dream was about my dual nature or, you know, we really aren't dual. People say the ego is really not, not part of ourselves. It's just the opposite 
extreme of depression of being separate. And there's a, a me in the middle who, who knows what's real. And so it represented to me that I do have like these two that seem to be warring. I'm not sure that the good innocent me trying to make it and having a hard time seeing the boat is, um, you know, if there's somebody making a lot of noise and it's hard for me to, to concentrate on what I'm saying here, let me see if that comes from the heart. I'm both the person having a hard time steering the boat and the one who's trying to destroy me. That's the ego. And it feels like that there are two entities. Um, the boat is meant to carry me to safety. Okay, there's someone who needs to mute, please. Whoever's making the noise or moving around, thank you, or who's on speakerphone and isn't muted. So it's interesting that the tool with which he was going to be able to destroy me was a clock. Um, in the dream, it was like there was some serial number that was going to allow him to, to you know, hone in on the boat and kill it from a distance. And it does feel sometimes that, um, you know, there is something in me that wants to pull me down, that wants to destroy me. So I thought, interesting that it was the clock. And um, I don't know if you've all noticed this, but, you know, God, they say that when we are free and we are one with God, there's no time and there is no space, which is hard to conceive of. And I've only had moments of feeling that when awakening from a meditation. But to me, last night, because of the clock and because of money, um, I made a choice to do something of the body rather than of the spirit. And it's interesting to me, and I haven't figured it out yet, that there's something about time and believing in it and trying to... Uh, believe that if I don't follow its rules, I will lose something that's very valuable. I haven't discerned it yet, but that was my dream. And take it for what it's worth. There's something here I know I was meant to share about, ah, yeah, it's the holiday season. <laughs> we all have to get our presents in on time and get it in on time. And that can be such a distraction to the real reason for the season. So, um I'm going to do my best to, to understand that the gifts I'm buying are because I honor my brothers and sisters and have them be about sharing love and spirit, not about, I'm in time. Is this gift good enough? Did I spend enough? Or can they use it? It's really important for me and maybe for other people on this call to remember that who we really are is not living in time and to ask the Holy Spirit to keep us above time, be in the world but not of it, to continue the growth. And it is Christmas season, and what a distraction it can be towards one of the most beautiful spiritual lessons and, and vibrations that we can have. So as I look at my gorgeous poinsettia, my commitment is to go with my heart and not be looking at a time clock. My heart will guide me. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. I was really happy to hear all that. <laughs> it felt like I meandered a lot, but I hope you all got something out of it. I did. Thank you. I did get something out of it. Thank you, Mindy. Yes, indeed. Um, Jude did, too. I um, thought of the, those two 
um, sections in the text this morning, the immediacy of salvation and um, the present memory, which both refer to um, the Holy Spirit's use of time eternally now. We can't be anywhere, but here and now it's impossible. And um, if, if we were thinking otherwise, then we're in our itty-bitty committee somewhere else. What do you call it, Lori? Time traveling? <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Well, hey, in light of uh, today's reading, I found a really, really excellent little piece of prose from one of my favorite poets, John O'Donohue. And I think, um, I think this kind of encapsulates what we're reading. He says, when you enter the world, you come to live on the threshold between the visible and the invisible. You bring with you a sense of belonging to the invisible that you never lose or finally cancel. There's always some magnet that draws your eyes to the horizon or invites you to explore behind things and seek out the concealed depths. You know that the real nature of things is hidden deep within them. When you become aware of the invisible as a live background, boy, that's so great. When you become aware of the invisible as a live background, you notice how your own body is woven around your invisible soul. How the invisible behind the faces, how the Invisible lives behind the faces of those you love and how it is always there between you. The invisible is one of the most powerful forms of the unknown. It envelops our every movement. It is the region out of which we emerge and the state we are destined for, yet we never see it. Choose spirit. And you have chosen what you are in your own belief. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for a really lively discussion and read and shares and expressions of how we work out this forgiveness to release ourselves from fear. It's been a great call. Well, in the recording, as is the case, we often stay on the call. So.